Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 77. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello everybody. Tonight's episode, we look at an indie festival favourite of last year as we check out Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, um, a film which was in the top 10 film discoveries of last year by of Kim Lowe over at uh, Movies and Tea and Tranquil Dreams and uh, it's on her recommendation that we are checking out tonight. Would it be good? Would it be bad? Who knows? But before we obviously dive into that it's time to ask what you've been watching and Stephen, since the last episode what, if anything, has been holding your interest? Well I was struggling a bit and then I remembered I'd saved one up from last episode that <laughs> I hadn't talked about which I think would be kind of interesting to discuss. So it is called Barbara or actually it's called Tezuka's Barbara. Um, let's put a bit of context and I think you'll probably know more about this than I will. So Osamu Tezuka was a very famous anime and manga artist creator most famous for creating astro boy i guess yep he, he uh, i think uh, uh, there's a manga he wrote called barbara oh uh, wrote and drew called barbara it's like an erotic adult manga um his son um makoto has made this into a movie with um the great christopher doyle as the director of photography um i can't remember it's um I can't remember if it's released through Arrow or somebody like that. I can't remember. Um, it's basically the story of um, a novelist who, stop me if you've heard this before, who has hit a bit of a dry spell and then he meets this mysterious girl called Barbara on the streets and she enters his life and becomes his muse and then... It goes the way of of these things. It doesn't end well. <laughs> um, similar to ideas like Tommy and things like that. I, d- I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but you 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 know exactly where the story's going, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she dies, um, and yeah, it's. I really, really, really wanted to like this. I don't under. It's called Tezuka's Barbara in the, the DVD Blu-ray streaming thing, but I think it's really cool, Barbara. It's very weird, but it's really cool that the son has tried to bring one of his father's things to life. Um, obviously, it looks amazing because it's DOP by Christopher Doyle, he of so many Wonka Wai films and things like that. Um, it's it's kind of well acted. It just feels very, very routine to me. I have seen tons of movies where a muse comes to inspire some kind of creative type and it doesn't end well. Um, like Ruby Sparks. A million stories, isn't it? Um, what's the one I watched? The Australian one with Helen Mirren and James... I was going to say Caligula then, but that's not No, the right well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Helen Mirren's body in this one, probably more than there is in Caligula. Um but she's underage. I can't remember what it's called. But there's... And actually doesn't end too badly, actually. But, yeah, Tomy is the, is the touchstone that I oh, think okay. of. Yeah, you know, all those Tomy, um, Junji Ito mangas and, and and films, you know, that she always gets into somebody's life and they always end up killing her. Um, it's like that. But it's, it, it's fine. And I think a lot of people who really like it. It looks amazing. It's really well filmed, really well acted. But just for me, I've just seen too many. You know, they say, "Oh, it's a reimagining of Tales of Hoffman." Is it really? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it's 
yeah, it's it's fine. What about you? What have you seen? For myself, just the one uh, since we last spoke, and that was uh, Five Venoms from 1978, which you can find in the Shaw Vision box set. Um, this was one that's always like mentioned all the time. A lot of people were going about Five Venoms. Wu-Tang mentioned Five Venoms a lot as well. And it also introduced us to the martial art troupe who were basically known as the Venom Mob because they starred in this movie. Uh, the film itself, it sees a dying master sending his last student off to track down his pupils that he trained, um, who make up the five deadly Venoms. Now, all of these uh, students wore masks, so nobody knows their identity, and each of them has a different fighting style based on a different Venomous creature. So you have the Centipede style, the Scorpion style, um, and uh, so on. And it's basically done to students try and track them down as it just basically turns into a sort of Agatha Christie style whodunit kind of very reminiscent of uh, then there were none the sort of enemy of monsters um as such it's a bit of a grind uh, really which is kind of surprising especially for a Shaw Brothers movie and more so were uh, a movie directed by uh Chang Che who obviously we've talked about many times on this show and it's got a incredible filmography including some of like the best movies that Shaw Brothers did like Box of Shang Tung um crossover stuff like The Seven Golden Vampires which is okay um and with this movie I just had real high expectations I mean obviously with the Venom mob being involved it's sort of this name that's sort of thrown around with Kung Fu cinema and you sort of like know who they are the same as like the Golden Harvest uh, crew the um so when you think of like the Golden Harvest actors and you think obviously it's, you know, Jackie Chan, Summer Hung, Young Biao, the lucky stars. Um, so I was went into high expectations and not expecting just like a very sort of plodding uh, mystery movie featuring some fierce fake beard action. Uh, but thankfully they do follow this up with a better film, The Return of the Five Daily Venoms, which is also released as Crippled Avengers, which I believe is also on the Shore Vision box set as well um which will also mean that it's on the arrow player as well but yeah for myself it did very little for myself there's a couple of interesting fight scenes in there there's some interesting gore sequences as well um as one of the fighters has an invincible sort of steel skin style which means he's impervious to uh weapons and gets put in a um, an Iron Maiden, which is probably the first time I've seen an Iron Maiden actually used on film apart from, I won't say Sleepy Hollow I think featured Iron Maiden and Black Sunday as well featured one so We're not going to have a podcast about Iron Maidens then? No, <laughs> I did find my second example of musical cunnilingus though today, so, you know Okay <laughs> um, If you watch Annette, then you've got that to enjoy the other one obviously being in Buffy once more a feeling, which featured levitational musical kind of lingus, so As, there's only so many adverbs and adjectives you can add to kind of lingus. <laughs> the cunning kind of lingus as we used to say. Um so yeah, I mean as I said it's obviously on the Arrow player so you can go check it out. It's in the Shore Vision box set as well. Um so if you liked it, let me know why. I would be very curious to know why, because for myself, it did very little for myself. It was a freestyle effort. Um, but yeah, I'm going to check out, uh, going to revisit uh, Crippled Avengers, because I remember that certainly being a lot better than uh, Five Deadly Venoms. So. so so what we'll probably find is next week, I'll say I've watched that film, because I was trying to go through my Shorescope yeah. box set. But I haven't, haven't uh, yeah, just work's got in the way. Um, I have something else, actually. It's not Asian, but it is subtitled, and I'll <laughs> just just talk about it. It's a Colombian film called uh, Luz, the Flower of Evil. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, it's I guess it's got um, Vavitch vibes. Um, basically set in a sort of deep in the Colombian mountainside. Is that a thing? In the yeah. <laughs> deep deep country in the mountains. Um, Basically, there's a small community which is sort of run by this uh, this preacher who it basically runs the whole community as a cult. Um, he's got three daughters, but I don't think they're all his daughters who are like his disciples. And basically, they are waiting the coming of Jesus. And then a small blonde boy turns up and they chain him up and 
yeah, it's it's got a lot to say about Catholicism and things like that. It's advertised as a horror movie. The cover makes it look like a horror movie. It's not really. I there is some nasty stuff in it, like a, a, a manual cesarean section, but I, it's more of a a drama talking about the stupidity of Catholicism. <laughs> but it looks amazing. It's got this really astonishing colour palette and visual style, and I've not really seen a film that looks like it before. Um, I'm sure it's on all the streamers. I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime. I know it's mm. on iTunes. Um, I, I, I got the Blu-ray because I like the cover. Um, so I know we don't normally talk about Spanish language films on this, but I think people who like some of the films that maybe I've bought to the show before in terms of the arty-farty stuff, <laughs> I think people get a kick out of it. But if you, it look, the film looks like a painting. That's the only way I can describe it rather than a film. So even if you're just going to scoot past it, have, have, just, just, just look at the the visuals on it it's um it's a it's a really smart piece of work but yeah that's that's our trip to colombia on the way to um japan yeah i'm just, i mean talking of random finds that um that we sort of stumbled across i found pluto tv the free tv app has a surprisingly large amount of like um asian cinema that keeps turning up on like either the on demand or just part of the scheduled programming um, like the other night, they had Deathstalker one and two, and they followed up with Old Boy, like the original Old Boy, not like the um, Spike, not, not the Lee Spike one. Lee one, the part which I one. I like the Spike Lee one. I think both films have do the source material in their own way, and I think it they both have their own pros and faults for them. Mm. Well, that's interesting because Pluto but, TV comes up on my smart TV, and I've never even yeah. looked at it. <laughs> it's good. It's. I mean, it. They even. They, I mean, at least they admit to themselves. It's sort of like they're sort of like a drop-in mm. sort of like TV thing because they have like channels dedicated to different things. Like you have the Baywatch channel, you have the MST Free K channel, and it's sort of like you just drop in and out. And they have like with the cool movie TV channel, and they've got like the action movie channel. But yeah, I was watching the cool one, and it's sort of like. You had Deathstalker 1 and Deathstalker 2, and I thought, well, there's no time I'm really going to watch those two movies. And I think it was a mistake watching them back-to-back, mm. um, especially because Deathstalker 1 is just a, basically an oversex version of um, Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> uh, and then Deathstalker 2 is like... It's like they reimagine this character who's like a barbarian in the first one, and then he's kind of like a Prince of Persia type in the second one. He's kind of like a thief. Um, but that's directed by Jim Wynoski, who did uh, Chopping Mall, and who actually takes footage from the first movie and edits it into his movie to add more colour to scenes. Um, so you get to see the same pig man eating the pig's head in both movies. Okay, I've never seen this, so I'm... Yeah, you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, I just know I'm going to have to watch it at some point. But, you know, there were some guys over the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema who got excited. I think David Brooke was the first one. To right. like, <laughs> But then again, he has his weekends of trash that he likes to write about over on his blog. So I'm just, sh- yeah, I'm just checking out Pluto.tv as we watch this. <laughs> um you watch Dog the Banty Hunter channel. <laughs> yeah, Mythbusters, well, Mythbusters channel, I'm Iron Chef channel, I'm all over. Yeah. Um, Pimp My Ride channel. But yes, and then a whole bunch of Channel 5, UK Channel 5 shows, like Cruising with Jane McDonald channel. <laughs> but yeah, if you go into like the on demand, you can find like things like Eros in Hell. Mm. Um, so it's worth checking like the on demand stuff. I mean, I saw Demon Seed in there, which I've not seen like shown on TV in like years. Um, I think it was back in the movie drum days is back the last time it was shown on TV and it's it's like one of those uh, one and done viewings that they, they did of it so it's it's worth checking on there because they're constantly adding things and changing things around just you know and you get notifications on your phone if something interesting is coming up so and right at this minute as we're recording Existence is on so it's got a bit as of Cronen- in the Cronenberg movie as in Cronenberg movie yeah so nice yeah fascinating I had no idea. I'd no idea. I'd just seen it and just thought that sounds crap. <laughs> I've I was you wrong. dismiss it, but it is um it's yeah, a no. worthwhile 
app adding and if you're in the states i think they have more they have different channels i think a lot of it's very sort of region based right so this is obviously going off the uk experience but um yeah they're pushing it really heavily at the minute which i think will only help improve what they have on there because mm. obviously more people and i don't know how things work no, but uh sold. yeah I would be into if you haven't. As I said, if you're watching your Shaw Vision box set, I I would personally like always like push say watch Mighty Peking Man first <laughs> boxer and Shang Tung because I knew you watched um, Five Things of Death or I King did boxer. King Boxers it was called on this set which, yeah yeah which is obviously lays a lot of foundation of things we now take as standard in the kung fu genre mm. uh, you know the things like the Miller's Earth the evil Japanese and uh, things like this that uh, just became so ingrained within the the genre so yeah um and i also found a copy of goodbye uh sorry farewell dragging in in my local cex oh excellent which may have been my copy that i donated to them so <laughs> that's what i've been watching and uh anything else you want to talk about still no i think i think that's it for today cool uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break and then we return. We are going to be diving into tonight's featured f- selection as we check out Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. If you like intelligent and smart movie discussion, base is a zombie movie. <laughs> How did he write a book if he doesn't have an arm? Or want to hear the latest news on your favorite actor? Talk some Julianne Moore, I guess. <laughs> Whales have more films than Zoe Spontana. <laughs> Check out the Lambcast, where no question is too risque. Rachel, do you have a mouth? Check out the Lambcast, the official podcast of the Lamb, the largest association of movie blogs, which can be found at largeassmovieblogs.blogspot.com. Si habla espanol. Hola y bienvenido a la And we're back. Obviously tonight we're talking about Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, directed by Junta Yamaguchi. Um, his uh, directorial debut, a one-take time travel sci-fi comedy, as the uh, bio, the bio goes, in which a cafe owner discovers that the TV in his cafe suddenly starts showing images from the future, but only two minutes into the future. However, soon both himself and his friends are finding a way to expand that two minutes as they plot a way to perhaps predict the future and gain financial success and make better choices in their life. Or will it all go horribly, horribly wrong? We find out tonight. So, Stephen, uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, was this one that uh, was pretty much being told to you by everyone that you needed to go and watch it because it was one of those movies that came out and it was suddenly everywhere yeah so what it did it had that word of mouth vibe in our let's call it our community can we yeah, say that we can um that one cut of the dead had um a couple of years back and one cut of the dead in the zombie comedy although really it's about making independent movies and it was amazing. You know, a little rough around the edges, but just a re- the kind of thing that Japanese cinema hadn't done for a long time. Um, just had this kind of fresh, almost guerrilla kind of filmmaking, and it was brilliant. So Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes has had that same kind of word of mouth. Everyone's been saying, oh my God, it's brilliant. And, you know, we, we love a gimmicky film, don't we? You know, it's filmed on iPhone, I think it's got this ostensible single take thing going on, which, as we all know, isn't true. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it looks like that. But obviously the, the whole idea of a single take movie these days is um, is less clever than it was when you could only do 23 minutes of film at a time. You know, Hitchcock's Rope is, is, is obviously one of the first ones to do that, but that had to do tricks because limitations of film stock now it's just how much hard disk space have you got on your digital camera so yeah everyone was telling me how brilliant it was i was really looking forward to it i had ordered it on dvd or blu-ray or something because everyone had said so much about it and then i pulled back because the price is still prohibitive for me i could get a nice box set for the same price it's only 70 minutes long i also love a time travel movie and i think we talked last time maybe 
that I'm really excited about summer machine summertime machine blues coming out on from third window this year which is like the greatest Japanese time travel movie ever so this 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 just sort of came at a nice time and yeah ev- everyone's been talking about it and everyone we know that has reviewed it in some way shape or form um from david to to um to kim um interesting not eastern kicks though which i was a bit surprised about um so yeah <laughs> i'm just there being yeah it's just odd normally all over they following that with like fair windows i mean they're like the no, it's just, blockades it's just, or something. Just, just a weird gap um probably waiting for me to do it i don't know it's weird <laughs> yes yeah, in your bio and it's all like, <laughs> no. where's this review from eastern kicks it's like I'm so bad. I've got, I've got, I've got a review about the samurai to write for them, which in and of so itself the samurai, as in the French movie. Yeah, exactly. Which why is that doing over Eastern Kicks? Well, because someone asked us to review it, and I thought I'll do that. And good. Oh, it's fantastic and it's stylish, and obviously it's inspired John Woo. Like it did, it, and it also inspired Timothy Oplant and um, the director of the first Hitman movie. Indeed. So it's it has got Eastern cinema links to it in terms of its inspiration however yeah anyway that's not why we're here (laughs) you could like look at john ford movies because they inspired kurosawa yeah and i i i I was meant to do it before christmas and i'm not going to tell you we won't spoil your editing regime but we're a long way after christmas now (laughs) steven just got Bladass junk. <laughs> forgot where he put the disc, didn't he? No, no, no. I've watched it. I loved it. Lovely, brilliant, gorgeous film. One of the most stylish-looking films ever. Yeah. Um, just yep. hard to write about with any originality, and hard to write about for an East uh, for an East Asian cinema website. <laughs> it is. I mean, French cinema is sort of like, especially from that period. It's sort of like it's a very moo point um into saying oh it's so cool but it's like yes it's french 70s cinema what you're expecting it to be yeah and, um, and 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 spoilers the criterion blu-ray which is what i was reviewing looks oh, lucky fucking spectacular i have no doubt it does <laughs> i mean i only had I, I had a review download but yeah it looks like <laughs> yeah it, it, it makes black and black and white is just glorious isn't it when it's properly upscaled and given a good restoration criterion styley. Anyway, that's not why we're here. <laughs> Just to flagellate my lack of writing that I should have done. This film. Um yeah, so as as I was saying, yeah, everyone's talking about it. So when you brought it up I thought, aha good. I'm looking forward to watching this. What did you think of it? <laughs> that, that, that was the, that was the whole thought, was it? Okay. Yes, I mean, this is a film much like Primer, Mm. um, where I came out of it thinking, um, and I'm going to put Pi in the same category as well, which has nothing to do with time travel, but both movies made me come out of it going, you know, if I was smarter, I would probably enjoy this a whole lot more. And then I did some asking around, and it seems that a lot of people got a lot of brain ache from this. And I think it's one of those movies where you... You don't. You're best off not questioning the science behind how everything works and just enjoying the ride. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's exactly where I came. So I, I don't. I, Primer and Pi are both films I like. I do not understand. Right. I don't. <laughs> I, I. I. I haven't a fucking clue what Pi's about, but I really enjoy it. Um, Primer. I. I fall asleep every time I start watching it, but I appreciate the craft. Um, it's not my favourite time travel movie by a long way, but I, I get it. I didn't think this was as hard to follow. It spends a long time explaining itself, although having it explained to you in subtitles was surprisingly draining. I don't know. It just it, it, I felt felt a bit clumsy, but you know the the original idea of the two minutes gap between sort of upstairs and downstairs was pretty cool and. And then when they use, they basically basically there's a there's a there's an Apple Mac upstairs that is two minutes behind a small TV downstairs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's that's basically what it what um, forms the loop. And then and have. then they move the iMac downstairs so that it's they're facing each other. 
Yeah. Which then creates the Drost effect, which then enhances those two minutes. The inf- In fact, an infinite sets of two minutes, which means they should be able to look and be further in time, which then leads to the the couple of uh, crises that happened in the film. Um, so the Drost effect, I had to look it up because they were talking about it as if I didn't know it, but this is where you have things like a picture of the picture of itself inside. It's quite often done in advertising. It's done a lot in medieval painting, um, where yeah, it's like ba- the corridor effect, isn't it? it where you're it basically is. seeing a replication of the image within the image within the image within the image. That's so right. You, you're creating this corridor for a central point, and the border will be the same within each picture. So. Um, if you, it's like if you do a mirror selfie, but you have your phone the other way round, so that you'll t- you can. You're making it sound like they're going to raise Candyman or something. Yeah. The way you say this, but the so. best, the best example of the Drost effect is somewhere not very far away from me, somewhere I've been. It's a village called Borton in the Water, and Borton in the Water has a model village in the middle of it, and inside the model village, which is an exact replica of Borton in the Water, there's a model village inside the model village and a model village inside the model village. Nice. Yeah, and that's um, yeah, that's something you anyone can go and visit, and it, it's really cool. But yeah, that that's the Drost effect. So the idea is is that the the images are inside the images inside the image. You, you, you're right, the cor- the corridor effect. But what it should mean is that each image is two minutes on, which was fine, but they spend an awful long time trying to explain that. <laughs> It is, and I mean, we should obviously explain to I me mean, the the people who we follow here. They aren't the smartest bunch, so they're very impulsive. Uh, we obviously have the cafe owner Kato, who's uh, played by Sonari Toza, who's basically lives in the apartment upstairs and discovers this effect. And initially, he owns all... he owns the cafe, right? It's not again; um, it's not terribly clear, but he does, <laughs> and he's all for this, like you know this great discovery and then until he finds out that that if he asks out the neighbor is really into megumi she's gonna say yes and he goes and asks her and she's like nope not interested and he ends up going off in kind of a sulk um and forming kind of a b plot in which he actually starts talking to megumi and ends up strikes up a really you know enjoyable conversation with her you know rather than relying on time travel to mm you know predict whether he's going to get shot down or not meanwhile his friends are just like all for this time travel tv as they call it um where they basically keep trying to push it further and further because they won't think that it's going to benefit them and it starts off like real small such as like finding out what's going to be on a on a scratch card or what's going to be in a uh, vending machine and they think think well you know maybe we can like use this to find a financial gain and it basically dawns on them that no we'll be stuck here for like a month just to try and find out uh what would happen in like a year's time so a lot of what they use their time travel ability for is a lot of screwing around which does lead to some really funny moments such as um the scene where one of the future selves pretends that the vision of the future they have is just apocalyptic future and it actually turns out to be a poster from the wall um and again there's a lot of sort of like parlor games where it's sort of like oh um if you look in your back pocket there'll be ketchup and it's like oh my god there's ketchup there <laughs> so and it's kind of really well made so by having the two main locations his apartment and the cafe and you kind of follow people in between the locations so you see what happened in the past and then you come yeah. down and you're in the future and you watch what happened where you've just been. It's really well done and it's meticulously put together in that regard, isn't it? it it's, I mean, something's a bit weird. His his apartment is a bit white and empty, but I think that's to minimise the things that could go wrong. Um and then, like, you'll come back in and you'll see things happening that play out later on. And it's 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 remarkably well done, but it's it's basically a a two a, t- a two um 
what's it called? What's the place called where something happens? I've I've lost my brain. It's a two set film. Okay. Um, yes. But but really really you know whatever I may or may not think about it, I cannot deny the cleverness of the craft and how they have put this together. Yeah, I mean, certainly the film does try to get into like the ins and outs of time travel, and the group do worry about creating paradoxes, which is something that can only happen if you're in the past and affecting the future, not if you're in the future, you can't affect the past. So there's a number of things that they say, like he goes and... When he gets shut down by Megumi, he's like his uh, friend sort of like, oh yeah, you've got to say that she totally said yes, because otherwise you're going to create a paradox, which doesn't exactly work. But it's got such a good energy to this this film. The group themselves are, are fun to be around, even though they're not the most exactly fleshed out group, um, to say the, say the least. And just to see them constantly keeping the loop going so like you'll see the future selves like say something like there's a point where they pretend to be like um a time travel cult and you see the group we're following like go downstairs and then they're grabbing the table across and they're like send it up so that when they speak to the the past selves um they think the same jokes happening so yeah um that stuff's really really good and then it sort of goes, it, yeah. It turns into a weird. There's some yakuza living there. Where the shit oh, yes, gets real a they, bit. Yeah, <laughs> they find out that um, they use the future selves to find some money that somebody may have left, and they find a bunch of money that's been left in a VHS player under an overpass. But it turns out it belongs to the local yakuza who uh, come looking for the money. And I, that itself felt like them trying to inject some sort of drama or story into this, because up until that point, it's kind of like a lot of parlor tricks. And it feels that also that the film's kind of like, oh, we've got no actual where to go with this. We've got this clever setup. We've got this really fun filming technique, but we've got nowhere to go with it. So it's trying to throw in these story elements to try and add some sort of drama in there. So we obviously have the Yakuza turn up. We have the Time Police turn up randomly as well, um, trying to repair this hole that this group had torn in the time continuum. It's, I don't want to say that I... I didn't sort of enjoy the film because I enjoyed the experience but I just don't see myself returning to it in the same way that I would like go back and watch One Cut the Dead which did the one take so well and I think it's right up there with um, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode Charlie work where he does that whole um, con with the, the health inspector just only, all in one take and you're watching Charlie Day basically kill himself just to make every single uh, shot scene in that shot work and I think that carried across in like One Cut the Dead, where it was sort of like you're seeing these people just improvise, and all these shots that you saw at the first movie, how they improvised it, and we got that really creative use of a human pyramid. And I think when you start comparing Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes to that film, it sort of raises the bar a little too high for it to sort of meet because it's it doesn't ever get that clever. Well, the thing about One Cut of the Dead is it's not a zombie movie. It's about making independent films and characters have... The, the one shot that is just the first half of the movie, isn't it? And then you go back and find out how, what everybody's like and, and the characters have a life and they have backstories and they have motivations and it all kind of makes sense. The, the, the main guy in this, I had no... He was just boring. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of liked how... He ended up having the relationship with the girl and how they actually decided to break the trying to you know, the when the future travellers come down, they both conspire to fuck that up and destroy this potential future so they can just have a chat. And that's lovely. The others are too great. The girl, the girl that runs the cafe, you know, she's charmingly kooky, but there's nothing I don't know anything else about her. I can't I can't remember her name. I don't know anything about her backstory. The other people are just friends. There's a lack of depth, and it's all about the cleverness of the film, right? So there's two things it's got. It's got humour. You're right. It's got humour, and but it's and it's got this clever way it's been put together. But I didn't care about anybody. The stakes are so low. Yeah. 
Whereas One Cut of the Dead just has got had so much more going on, um, apart from the clever shit. Yeah, I, and and like you, I'm glad I didn't buy it in the end, if, as as a permanent piece of plastic, because I don't know if I will ever watch this again. You know, I'll watch Summertime Machine Blues if I want a Japanese time travel movie, which is also comedic and fun, but has a much bigger scope than two minutes. I don't know, it's it's fine, but it's not time crimes. It's not Back to the Future. It's not Summertime Machine Blues. It's it's good, but I think it's, it's interesting that we've both come to the same conclusion, really. That's, yeah, but I think <laughs> it's... Is along the short of it. It is kind of. It's one that I would. Say, I would definitely say was worth watching. Mm. I mean, I definitely don't want to say to the don't want to discourage people from checking out because I think it's definitely one that is worth checking out. And I think that all the hype that it's received while it's been on the festival circuit, like in Fantasia and such, has been certainly well received. I just wouldn't rate it as highly as a lot of people have. Mm. I mean, I'd see a lot of four stars, um, a few five stars here, and for myself, it was like it scraped in at a four. Mm. Um, and that's just as I said, just because I've seen a lot of three point fives recently, and I thought it was a lot better than that. So, but I did. I mean, I rented this through Terracotta, which you were actually cheaper than Amazon. It was only two pound, two pound and twenty two pence. Because that's a weird price. That's a pricing scheme. <laughs> um, and you get it an extra day. Amazon giving you forty eight hours, and you get three days with Terracotta. So I think I'm going to be doing a lot more by renting through there. And we should also say it's only seventy minutes long. Exactly. Um, so it doesn't. The nice thing about it is it nothing ever felt too stretched. Um, I think I think I think it does sag a little bit in the sort of thirty to forty minute zone, where they're just but they're they're just pushing where they're trying to push the envelope. And there's a lot of chit chatting and talking, and maybe didn't quite follow what was going on. But um, yeah, seventy minutes. More, we need to have more films that are seventy minutes long. Because not everything needs to be two and a half hours. <laughs> it feels like such a breeze, doesn't it, when you when you watch something at seventy four? Mm. Um, just it's just like, oh well, that was over and done with. Yeah, but you know, I watched the Eternals the other day, and that's just two and a half hours of my life I can't have I back. Just, I just can't see anything that appeals to me in the slightest about watching the Eternals. I'm um, I, I'm I'm a I'm a Marvel fucking zombie, and. I wanted to love that film so much. And there are moments of it which are quite good, but it really is one of the worst films I've seen for a long time. And it's two and a half hours long. Oh, joy. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm basically there for the one shots with Marvel. I like Chang Chi, I like Black Widow. I did not care for the Infinity Wars saga. See, I, li- uh, I liked all that. The only one I've read, I, I, I have disliked Thor 2. The one I think most people dislike yeah, for too. Which was same terrible. as Iron Man Two, which they all turned on. And Iron Man Two is just meh. I like Iron Man Three though, which a lot of people don't like. Um, but up to that, I've you know even the average ones, the Doctor Strange and things like that, I've enjoyed. Eternals was just eternal. It was like eternity. It was it was what it said on the tin. Um, there are moments of goodness, and it's a shame you know because it's got. Claire Zhao was the director and you wanted it to be a really fantastic sort of indie talky movie but apparently <laughs> it's got, got a great cast though bless it <laughs> and what I will say is in the in the, po- the mid credit sequence Harry Styles turns up as Star Fox and is more fun in that one minute with um, Patton Oswalt as Pip the Troll that one minute of you know, here's what's coming so, in the so future. Star Fox is in Star Fox is Thanos' brother. Okay, I was just thinking of like Fox McCloud. No, 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 not like the Super Nintendo and, and, and <laughs> I was like, franchise. What the now. hell's he doing there? Star Star Fox is in Marvel Comics is Thanos' brother, so Thanos of Titan. Um they are Eternals as well. Thanos is a is an eternal, but they don't really say that in this film. But um Yeah, the the his, his younger brother who's got the ability to to basically pheromones that make women fall in love with him. It's a very problematic character in Marvel terms. But Harry Styles turns up and there's a and, and, and his sidekick Pip the Troll is played by Patton Oswalt. Well Patton Oswalt's voice, so we always like a bit of Patton Oswalt, don't we? But yeah, the whole and, and the, that isn't the film we're meant to be talking about. But when 
a one minute mid credits thing is better than the rest of the film. <laughs> You're gonna say something, but yeah, no. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, definitely worth te- check it out. Um, but I do think maybe it, it's people are liking it a bit more than it deserves. And it's just it's very rare we both come down on something that's well, you know, that everyone else is well regarding. But when we do Summertime Machine Blues later in the summer, you'll see what a great time travel movie. I, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really pushing that film on. I do hope everyone else likes it. I know Bob Wheat's going to be looking at this on his uh, Time time Loop podcast time and time again. So I'd be very interested to see what he makes of this one. I also want to see what he would make of uh, Girl Let Through Time. Mm. Which, uh, when you were saying, like, the greatest time travel movies from Japan, I was like, what? Didn't mention that one. No, I didn't. And, and the girl from Left Through Time. So there's an animated version. There's at yep. least two live actions I've got. Um, so yes, but there are. It's, it's funny. There aren't a lot of Japanese live action sci-fi movies. Um, so again, this is somewhat unique in that regard. Um, yeah, obviously some exist, but norm- most of the sci-fi stuff happens in. Anime and manga, and yes, of course, they make live-action versions of them, but you know, sort of unique sci-fi films, there aren't a lot. There was a, there's one with um, Takeshi Kaneshiro, I want to say it's called Returner, or something like that, that's quite good, that we should check out. Again, time travel related. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fine. It's not worth eighteen ninety nine on Blu-ray, though. I'll, w- I'll wait for that price to come down. <laughs> For 70 minutes. Actually, what I'll probably wait for is the undoubted director's cut with a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff like One Cut of the Dead did, where uh, its its popularity enabled a, a better release to come out. So there we are. That's it. Episode yep. over. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you want us to do? you want us to like make our own future versions of ourselves? No. What like... you, so when you said Bubba Wheat's going to do it, you know, we could we could do it his style. You could just you can just record this. You could just just. Use audacity and, and just do this just thing three times. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> so like, hey, Stephen, if you check in your back pocket, you're going to find ketchup. Because <laughs> oh, I mean, this doesn't work on a on a visual, <laughs> an audio podcast. But no, um, what I saw a review of it like it was like a they called it like um, a time travel movie for the Zoom generation. Which again, well, it's, again, it's just because it's on a bloody computer. Isn't yeah. It? Unlike what was that? Um, that horror film that was done like on Skype calls, or well, it wasn't. It was FaceTime. You had uh, Unfriended. Uh, Unfriended had, was what I'm thinking of. You yeah. had Searching as well, which um, mm. had. Um... Yeah, no, I mean Unfriended, I thought was astonishing, and then I saw the episode of Modern Family when they did the same thing, and I thought, well, no, they did that better than Unfriended. Oh yeah, I liked Unfriended, and I liked Unfriended Two Dark Web as well. I thought that was very good. Mm. But yeah, it's not. This is not anything to do with Zoom. I don't really understand why he sees his face on his iMac, but I know you can do that kind of thing on photo booth. But And I like I also like the way nothing's ever explained. Do you know what I mean? It's just this is just a thing that's happened and here's how some ordinary people would react to it. And what it doesn't have Oh, have you seen um is it called Confluence? What's the film about bloody middle class Americans going to dinner and the world's ended outside and Oh, you're talking about... um, I want to say it's called Confluence, but that's... Yeah, I think that's what it is. Because he has that that interesting cover, which is like a dinner table, and it's like a ping-pong bat. Yeah, so the problem with that film, I found, was that there were people around the table who seemed to know far too much about things which were important to what was going on, and it just took me out of the film. And this... the beauty of this is there are people just having having a go there's, there's this wonderful moment where the young girl says oh oh i want to find out what the next era is going to be called because it's like the railway era isn't it at the moment she says i want to find yeah. out what follows it and she hasn't twigged her, her two minute future self won't be any the wiser about what the next era is going to be called either and there's just that's nice that's a funny that's the funny side of this is, is the jokes and but it doesn't go deep but yeah like I don't think it was called Confidence, but Gamma C. Anyway, whatever it was, that was ruined because it just had it, its protagonists were too smart. It's always the way with these uh, these things. You have them 
people like suddenly become really smart and making like huge leaps in logic to mm. figure things out. At least in Primer, they're meant to be smart. You know, <laughs> that is true. Um, and I think the worst example of these sort of movies was Exam, mm-hmm. uh, where you've got the people uh, having the job interview and they got oh, the question. Yes. And there's like no answer, and it was such a cheat answer. Like, the solution to it was so stupidly such a cheat. That and Colin Salmon being in it was just like a one-two punch and just never watching that again. Colin Salmon. <laughs> I don't like Colin Salmon. He always talks like he's got, you know, that he's um, got ideas above his station, that he thinks he's better than the rest of us. See, what's the... that, that posh accent all the time. It's sort of like, just take a break already. Was he in London has fallen or something? I don't know. I saw something. I saw him in something, and I saw him in. He's in a sitcom, isn't he? As himself, and I can't remember what the sitcom is. But extras, I'm guessing. No, it's not extras, but it's something like that. I can't remember what it is. It's, but yeah, Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he's a bit. It's just like I don't know. Just posh speaking, British guy. Yeah, Yeah. we don't like posh people. We don't like people talking down to us here, man. Down in the trenches. Anyway, that's enough of this. Please watch. Please watch it, but don't expect it to be life-changing. Shall we just say that? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Definitely one one worth checking out, but um, not really sure it's one for the collection. But uh, support your independent uh, retailers. Support Fair Window Films. Go in Terracotta and uh, use their streaming service. Um don't pay for Bezos's rocket. <laughs> he doesn't need your money. No, he certainly doesn't. Um, but yeah, that's uh, as I said, that's um, our episode for tonight. I don't believe we've got anything else to talk about in this one. No. Nope. Um, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. If you're on Spotify, you can also rate us on there as well now. And uh, again, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show um, as it all helps raise the profile of the show. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so come and say hi to us there, recommend us a movie. Our Facebook group in particular is uh, pretty hopping. We post something new pretty much every day and we have some fun discussions there as well. Um, and it's not just Asian cinema, a lot of pop culture stuff on there as well. But Stephen, it is your turn to pick the next episode, so what are you going to be having us watch? <clears throat> so I'm going to go for a movie that I've never seen before, but was released in the UK under the Tata Asia Extreme label, which is something we go back to a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, an important touchstone of the Asian cinema fan experience. I think it's what kicked open the doors and broke us away from just the same movies being recycled over and over again. It sort of like open. It just opened up the playing field and made us and just ushered in that whole J horror boom, really. I think without it, I don't think we would have had um, the J horror boom. Um, Indeed. So this is statement. This isn't. Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. So this isn't a J horror. This is a K horror. Um, it might even be a film we've you've talked about before in passing. I can't remember, but yes, I I'd like to. Um, basically, uh, it's a horror film set during the Vietnam War, not the Korean War, 1972. Um called our point so it's a sort of horror movie a horror stroke war movie which we don't have enough of although war is hell of course um but i'm really looking forward to seeing this i picked up a copy of it for 50p from from cex in reading so actually no cx in guildford to be fair and um i'm really looking forward to watching it finally i know you've seen it before haven't you I have, uh, back when it first came out, so it's been a very long time since uh, I've seen it. I know Tom Carnell, um, who joined us for the Lone Wolf and Cover episode, is a big fan of this one, because mm. he's talked about it on um, his podcast, the Bunch Material podcast, um, back when that was still running. Um, so, yeah, he definitely um, rates it very highly. So, And I think there are the fans of it out there, so it'll be interesting to obviously see what um, how it holds up, especially. Mm, for sure. I mean, it's not 2005, ain't that old. But I don't think we've even done a war film, have we? 
directly that I can remember. The classic, obviously, the has... The classic uh, goes to Vietnam. But yeah. no, we have not. Um, but again, it's sort of like when I think of like the war movies, my mind just instantly goes to brotherhood yeah and, and it's all like when i've been sort of saving for like a special occasion so no i don't think it will be our first war movie uh yeah. that we've done so yeah i've got a i've got a couple in the long list but it's um yeah anyway yeah our point hopefully um hopefully we'll be able to generate some discussion out of that i hope so because uh it, it's it is well it's a well thought of it has masterpiece on the front of um front of the dvd cover so who know. said that um, let me have a look. It says this year's undiscovered horror masterpiece, and I, my eyes are too small to work out who that's from. Oh, I know, Front magazine. Oh, Front. Blair Witch meets Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, Front. That's a that's a reliable source for you. Yeah. The Booby magazine. Yeah. It was, wasn't it? It was like um, one Front, of those lad yeah. magazines, wasn't it? It was, because you had the top tier, which was obviously FHM and Loaded and Maxim. And then you had the second tier, which was like Front and Ice and then Nuts and Zoo. Nuts. <laughs> I remember all these. And then they uh, they got rid of them all. So. And we didn't know what sort of cologne we should be wearing and how to shave and get a fish and stuff. <laughs> Who would win the World Cup of Chris? I know, um, I'm not too sure that is a quote from Front Magazine. I cannot tell you what that quote <laughs> is from. There is a quote saying Blair Witch meets Full Metal Jacket from Front Magazine. But what the top quote is, I I cannot get the light or my eyes yeah. to read it. It's like red on this grey background and I cannot read it. But yeah, something maybe something to read it. Doesn't matter. We're going to discover it. We're going to discover it. 17 years later. <laughs> this and more intriguing questions posed on next week's episode. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to my co-host, Stephen. Pleasure as always. And we will be back next time to talk about our point. But until then, good night. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.